Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Golden Thread Podcast. My name is Marnie, and I'm your host for today. We are going to be talking about a subject and a living, breathing medicine methodology, which I'm very excited to welcome onto the podcast, Kaokea Winston of Vesta Mystery School. We're going to be going over the topics of grief and gratitude. And this is something that um, I also work with a little bit um, over my years of study and focusing on it in my PhD program. But let me introduce Koakea to all of you really quickly. And she and I are dear spiritual sisters from years and years and years and years ago when we met um, to each other at a place called Sacred Path Healing School in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, We both graduated in 2004 from that school. And it was a three-year program with Dr. Ruby Ryburn. And it had all kinds of components in that school, mainly based off of the work of Barbara Brennan, but we learned body awareness and energy healing, as well as astrology and diet and lifestyle and lots of things. It was just the perfect thing for me at the time as I was um, newly married and getting ready to have children. So I had space to do a three-year program and not that many people have that much space to do programs, but she also became an assistant um, let's see, assistant director for that program at Sacred Path Healing School for many, many years where she developed the curriculum to enhance lifestyle and diet and help students find their authentic voice and playful interactive astrology class she performed there. So her approach is astrology is her main thing with Vesta Mystery School and finding compassion for yourself in your journey on this earth. She offers energy and sound healing, focusing mainly on the chakra system combined with astrology. And she also is really big in Francis Weller's work of grief. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because, um, and her also her experience and her own story of how she was really survived her own grief through the loss of her husband, Fodiaba, who was a master astrologer and transitioned in 2008 from cancer. Um, and that journey was one that I was there for. And it was very inward. It was very raw. It was very profound. It was really humbling to witness her go through that. And to see what she's offering now is just a true testament to her divine spirit and her love for humanity. So I'm very excited. That was a long and winded introduction, but I'm really so grateful to have her here and for you all to just benefit from her wise wisdom and her counsel actually into this world of healing and grief work. Um, so welcome to the program. Mahalo, Marnie. I'm so glad to be here with you today and with everyone. Um, aloha from the big island of Hawaii. We're going through a lot of grief here in the Hawaiian Islands right now with what's happened on Maui. We've had some fires here on the big island and it's just been um, a time of really understanding what it means to be in the long dark. And much of Francis Weller's work, um, Francis Weller is a uh, author of the book, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. He's a soul activist and he and a, a group of soulful um community members created a a platform called uh, Soulful Living, a contivium. And I've been um, 
once a week for the last um, two years, almost three years now, been studying weekly with him and that community about um, what does it mean to lead a soulful life. Uh, we hear so much about spirit and the light, but this soulful journey has to do with the descent and learning how to truly be with the inner life that includes grief, that includes the deep sorrow and not just the depression that really holds us hostage, but to be very alive in our grief, very um, practicing ritual, practicing ways of finding the alchemy in community to hold sacred space so that we are not preyed upon in that vulnerability. We are we are creating a new living culture where grief is held sacred uh, as a sacred practice. And that in witnessing that with one another and in being with one another, we acknowledge that we're not here just to ascend, but to go down into the depths of the darkness and sit and learn how to mature and and become the elders that we're meant to be on this earth during this long dark. It's so, oh, thank you for saying all that. And it's so um, challenging, I feel, to not feel heavy when we are speaking about grief. You know, there seems to be this almost stigmatism of like wow i'm going through grief or grief is so heavy or it's too big or there's so much i feel overwhelmed with even thinking about grief or how do i grieve and we're not taught really in the western culture uh how to grieve i feel in a way that is like you said in sacred community in a way that actually brings us deeper into our soulful connection with ourself it's seen as something to push away or put in the corner or something to be held in a different space, not to be shown. You don't cry in front of people. Um, you're not allowed to be vulnerable. Don't be raw. You still have to go to work. Like all these things that I hear and that I feel and that I even experienced in my own grief of losing my father. Um, and to me, it's, it's something that it's a new time to remake this connection and have these conversations of how to like even approach the subject, you know, how to approach grief in itself and how do we um, welcome in the support when it's there for us. And so can we go over that a little bit in your experience of your work with, with um, Francis Weller's work in particular of, of how you see people approaching grief in particular and, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've seen? Yeah, I, I want to say that um, he talks about that spirit and soul need each other, that the soul can get too melancholy and heavy, too emotional, and that spirit will allow us to detach and to be uplifted. But spirit can become too certain and too uh, wanting to be correct in its approach or cold and uncaring, righteous, you know, and like there's only mm -hmm. one way. Soul takes us down, sometimes into depression, to stop the mania and it deepens our ability to sit in the dark and teaches us how to um, be with ourselves. And that was one thing Foriabi used to always say when I was mm -hmm. 
you know, like a little hamster on a wheel going too fast. He'd say, can you just be with yourself? And part of being with grief is really learning as a human being, this is a shared experience. We belong together as a humanity in this Aquarian age through our shared grief. And the root chakra has this sense of belonging. And if we don't understand our place in the family of that humanity through that, we are all grieving. You know, mm-hmm. what's happening on our earth is horrific. We are in the long dark. How do mm-hmm. we, without going so far down that we can't function? I mean, when when there's a personal love where someone like when I lost Fodiava, he, um, I would get these huge grief waves and they're real. The grief waves are real. Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, I remember when I was going through um, losing my father and feeling lots of grief waves, as you were mentioning, just big waves of grief coming and going and trying to like just use my breath work to go through those waves of grief. But um, as you were saying about Fodiaba. So, you know, it it's knowing that... Um, particularly the first year after someone deeply that we've loved, we need a lot of sensitive care and we need to be discerning about who we talk to and who we surround ourselves with. And Mm -hmm. are people saying to us, Oh no, it'll be okay. You you know, don't cry. All these things. These Mm -hmm. are not the space holders that we need. And Mm -hmm. so can we be discerning enough to know we don't want to be isolated but who is that one person mm-hmm. and who is, where is that community? You know, like after Fodiaba mm-hmm. died, I went to a, um, a grief counseling group at, at Castle Hospital on Oahu mm-hmm. and everyone was crying when I came in and, and my grief was, I was just angry and mm-hmm. I was just letting it rip and they were shocked. But I thought, you know, this is, this is a grief group. This is part of grief. Where else can I bring this? And mm-hmm. so how do we um, allow the wildness of our grief to be held by community? And how do we that are strong and mature enough hold space for others in their grief through holding ritual and through doing mm-hmm. council practice and having that time to um, honor that grief so that the isolation is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a really you know huge piece. Um, we become more resilient when we're in our communities than we mm-hmm. are when we're completely on our own. And when we go to the same person over and over again with our tears, and maybe they just can't hold space for us anymore, how do we widen? How do we? Um, I did a lot of art when he died. I ended yeah. up. Uh, creating a, a book with poet with poetry I'd written and photos of he and I and finding mm-hmm. a way that we can move through our grief is so mm-hmm. important because we don't want to be stuck. Um, we we just uh, you know, but this descent that Francis talks about it's developing an apprenticeship with sorrow is what he calls it and it's walking with grief on a consistent basis. 
because mm -hmm. it's not just that when someone dies, we are grieving. What's going on in the world, we are all grieving at this point. How mm -hmm. do we honor that and know that every set of eyes we meet, there is something that person is grieving about. And how do I hold space? And how do I share my vulnerability and be a part of humanity in this practice? It's a new way mm -hmm. of culture that we're learning because you're right. There has been nothing in our culture that has taught us about this. So yes. it requires practice. It requires a commitment to participate and know that grief is a part of life. Um, mm -hmm. One of the, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just saying that I remember when my father passed and um, one of the, bo the books they gave us in hospice was gone before my gone before my eyes or gone before my sight. I can't remember. And, you know, it talks about the stages of grief or trauma or one or the other. And I know your the work with Francis Weller is a little bit, um, is different than this, but I do want to just say these five stages just for anybody out there who might be listening and, and just has no, any, no idea or any context of even the stages of trauma in particular and those are um, denial and then anger and then bargaining and then depression and then acceptance. And these are, you know, built off of lots of different methodologies, but we're, we're becoming to be a lot more Akamai and more intelligent in how we approach these parts of ourselves and go into this inward journey of descent within sorrow, within grief, within acceptance. And um, a lot of the work that, that you do and that you're going to teach us about or tell us about a little bit more today kind of broadens that because I think it's um, like you were, you and I were talking about like, you know, really like what is depression? You know, it doesn't, it's not really the way that we think of as depression, but I just wanted to put that in there in case anybody's listening and, you know, is just recognizing in their own life, like, wow, I'm. I'm actually, I've been in a state of shock and I do remember in hospice, they said, you know, it takes like about three years for someone to kind of come out of um, their, an initial traumatic event. Like it, there is so much that's being processed at one time and your body goes through a different level of sorrow, your mind goes through it, your, your emotional body definitely goes through it. You remember things, your your psychosomatic response, your somatic response to your environment changes, your habits change, your behaviors change. Like there's, it's, it's such an initiation. It really yeah. is. It truly is an initiation into adulthood in a whole nother way, because mm -hmm. um, in Francis Weller's work, the, he has the five gates of grief, which are different than the, the five stages. Um, mm -hmm. And, these five gates of grief, the first one is everything that we love, we will lose. And, you know, this isn't an endless party. And, you know, the leading cause of death is birth, we have to get there, that that this is part of the human experience that we're here to have. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, these portals, the portal opens and a baby is born and we have this time on earth and all these relations and the portal the other way. How do we make this all a very sacred experience? Mm -hmm. um, the, the inner authority of finding 
a way to make it a sacred experience is so important. When Foriava died, we had holy water. I bathed his whole body. I covered his body in rose petals. Mm -hmm. I uh, We drummed. I played flute. We sang. You know, all of these ways to say, fly free, brother. Fly. Mm -hmm. Oh, because we love you. And we accept that death is a part of life. And this is that first gate of everything we love, we will lose. And mm -hmm. to pretend that we won't, that it can go on forever, is part of that immaturity. We're learning how to become the wise elders through accepting death as a part of life. Um, there's the second gate of the places that we ha that have never known love. And mm -hmm. we all carry this on some level of what it means to um, have circumstances where we have just not known love at the level that we've needed it. Um, mm -hmm. We have not been seen, we have not been known. And this is why counsel practice is so important, being able to sit with a talking stone or a talking stick and take the time to be with one another, if it's two people or three people yeah. or a group of 20, and listen and connect in our humanity and know that we all uh, will lose what we love, that we all have places that have not known love and that yes. that's a shared experience so that we're in that together. And, and that's the knitted fabric of, of our humanity. We share in the sorrows of the world and what's happening on our precious earth right now with climate change. It's so mm -hmm. Um, horrific and the third uh, gate and the fourth grade what we expected and did not receive uh, and then ancestral grief being the fifth grade uh, gate um, it's it takes a lot to make a commitment to an apprenticeship with sorrow so that we are not disconnecting that we're not dysregulating our nervous system that we can say you know i have the stamina and the wherewithal to go quiet inside and to be with my grief and to write with my grief or share my grief in some way um, that brings me alive mm -hmm. you know, one of the practices we did um was to go into a sacred place in the woods and or anywhere that's private for you and to lay on the earth and to speak our grief into the earth. Mm. That was a really deeply profound experience that I had up in Kalopa State Park is to just deepen um, and allow the earth to hold me and to express my grief to her. Um, the sorrow makes us transparent there is a certain vulnerability of being very alive that is part of accepting and, and knowing we have the capacity to be with ourselves in that way mm -hmm. and that we are not going to drown in those sorrows and yes. that the gratitude piece has to be practiced with the grief and once our grief is expressed gratitude comes naturally then we begin to to feel grateful and it's not forced like okay i'm grieving but i should be grateful we don't want to shit all over ourselves like that we want to you know have the courage to deepen into this duende this this artistic expression of our deepest sorrows 
um, to write poems, to dance, to sing, and to be in that mystery, to be baptized in the mystery of what sorrow is to us. Um, the blues came out of grief and sorrow. And look at all that beautiful music that was created. Um, you know, we're lacking in what Francis calls primary satisfactions. We're malnourished at a soul level. And all of this productivity and living in late stage capitalism has us constantly making money and looking at how we're going to make money when really we need a meal or a walk or a story or these primary satisfactions he calls a hug mm -hmm. and we slow down and and just you know recognize it's okay now there is enough time for my grief there's out of that will naturally come gratitude you know? mm -hmm. and um, um thank you for saying all that i feel there's there's so much there's so much richness in what you're sharing and we we all need it so de desperately and i'm really excited about your future offerings around this this topic because it is something that is just completely palpable like i can taste it you know is really like when you said in particular like there's we're not going to drown in our sorrow and i know this is something that energetically people feel especially when they're going through trauma or a traumatic event or a huge loss and in Buddhism, we call it dukkha, right? Suffering, illness, disease, loss, all that. But when we go through that, it's like, it feels like it's going to just engulf us. We are going to be overtaken by right. this huge amount of grief. It is so overwhelming. And I know for me, there was moments where I did feel like I was gasping for air, you know, like I could barely, barely function through my day. Like, how am I going to? get through the day without yeah. feeling this immense amount of grief and I love what you said about that you don't think that you know it's this is like grief is not a staged process where we are quickly going up this ladder of like okay once I get over a denial then I'm gonna get over anger and then I'm gonna move into bargaining and then I'm going to move into the next step of depression. And then I'm going to move into acceptance. It's like, no, you're going to have this new relationship with it. And you're going to be able to navigate it. And so I think this is this is something that I really want people to, to really take in. You know, like to really take a breath and take that in. Because it is a lifelong journey. Meaning there is no ending to it. You are going to be having a mystical dance with this part of yourself for the rest right. of your life. And it's right. beautiful when you recognize and you get to, to really allow that to be the glory of it. I mean, it, I, and it's so challenging because, you know, people don't want to spiritually bypass and, and go over and be like in their higher sp space of self or their higher ascent. But I loved how you said it was, it's a descent into self. And yes. a lot of the spiritual journey is a descent. It's not an ascent out of self. It's a descent into self. And so this is another deep layer of yourself to be able to go into. And yes, it's going to be, it's scary. It's naturally scary. It's scary. There's fear there. Natural fear comes up. And I believe like what you said, there are two things that you mentioned. Francis Weller said, 
as a way to make sure you have this embedded into your reality so that you can navigate these waters of sorrow. Um, and you've mentioned it as the sacred community. and community. Um, and yet we don't have grief tenders that are trained within our community. And this is something that I'm very passionately wanting to help others to learn so mm -hmm. that even two people who are together can gather two stones each in a bowl of water and speak their grief and place a stone into a bowl of water. And when, when they're pow, when they're completed to pour that out onto a tree mm -hmm. or a plant, water that plant with those tears of that grief. This is mm -hmm. simple. This is just taking the time to say, we honor our grief. And um, in one of the poems I wrote when Foriaba was passing, I said, um, grief, how do I embrace you so I do not die too? Because mm -hmm. when we are so bound to someone, so attached, and we feel so at one with them, when they die, it can feel as if we are dying too. Mm -hmm. And yet it is the initiation into an adult mature life that we didn't ask for we didn't want mm -hmm. whether it's a parent mm -hmm. or a beloved or a pet and mm -hmm. it's saying can you accept that death is a part of life let's make it sacred let's mm -hmm. create a stone altar let's find photos and make a beautiful book let's post you know a, a memory let's remind ourselves who this person was and keep their medicine in the world going mm -hmm. through their teachings through who we are because of them if they're an ancestor mm -hmm. um, and um staying alive with our grief <laughs> it's so important but yes but if we do not if we feel as if it's shameful that we have to hide it, that we should not cry, that we're apologizing. Um, yeah, we don't want to be crying at every corner. We we want to be functional. We want to go to work. We want to be able to be in the world. But yes, uh, we can honor the time it takes to say, who is my friend who I can talk to about grief? And mm -hmm. what are some practices where I can honor that I am grieving and that, mm -hmm. that is good. I hold myself in my heart when I grieve. Oh, thank you. Thank you for grieving. Thank you for being with me while I grieve and just allow this vulnerability to be a part of your resilience. You can't be vulnerable and be resilient at the same time. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, exclusive. Mm. And to do it without judgment and comparison, which yes. I know we, we fall into that too. Like, am I grieving enough? Am I, am I not grieving enough? Am I, you know, where am I in all of this? Am I in my body? Am I in my thoughts? Am I in my emotions? Am I in my projections? Am I transferring my grief to others? You know, am I processing enough? Like there's so much self-analysis that goes on. And we can get lost and forget who we are. And this is why we need our community and we need one another so that we can call and say, 
I am lost and I have forgotten who I am. Will you remind me? Will you Aww. remind me of my whole being? Because when we're in our grief, we 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 can't see our whole self anymore. It's it's hard. But we can call a close friend. We can say, tell me who I am. I have forgotten. You know? mm -hmm. And that way of being in the world, not widely open with everyone, but with discernment, with discretion, and knowing that who, who are those sacred space holders that we can count on and who are we holding sacred space for because we can't you know we we can't be there for absolutely everyone but that inner circle that sacred circle you know we're building in that long dark a new living culture and mm -hmm. what is our medicine how are we sharing it um What's the medicine of your soul? What suffering have you gone through that by sharing it with the community, they're strengthened, you know, that we know we're imperfect and we're still loved and that we're known, we're known. It's so tender. It's such a tender space. Just even talking to you, I'm feeling tender and vulnerable, <laughs> but it's like, can we feel this, this vulnerability and still, um, you know, build resilience and have radical compassion for ourselves all in the same space. And it is an art form. I truly believe that after how many yes. years of practicing and, you know, it, it's possible, which is my point too. And if you had some tips for people, we're going through tremendous grief and loss right now on many levels all over the planet, some more than others, whether you're wherever you are on the spectrum of immediate loss, um, complete loss in terms of a family member or a dear partner or an animal or a pet, or if you're dealing with community loss, or if you're dealing with country loss, you know, cultural loss, there's so many levels of suffering that's happening right now. What are some of the things that you would highly suggest for people to do in their first exposure to the shock of growth of leaf of loss and, and grief excuse me um, well i think the shock is one thing like what happened this week on maui where you know as a community we're all in that state of shock and there's a lot of community outpouring there um i love that you did a breath offering recently <laughs> yeah four breaths in you know hold yeah. four breaths out practice yeah. uh ways of being still and being okay the best we can witnessing ourselves witnessing others so important um i really believe in essential oils <laughs> i really think they can shift frequencies in in two seconds I think getting mm -hmm. out of the head, finding a way to regulate your nervous system with baths. If you can get yes. in the bathtub and salts, wine salts. And vetiver uh, is my favorite essential oil for, for stress and trauma. It just takes mm -hmm. it all down and settles everything for me in particular. Um, but knowing that um, 
we're in a vast sea of intimacy with all things. We're, we're connected intimately. And so collective grief, like what we have going on in Hawaii right now, mm -hmm. that even if we're not in shock anymore, we're not burned. We're not, we didn't lose our home. We didn't, we're still our practice of breathing, our practice of using essential oils, our practice of making sure we're hydrated, uh, that we know that who our community is that support us, that we are not isolating. And if we are isolating, we find someone and tell them, I am isolated. I need to share this, but not expect them to be your mama <laughs> and listen yeah. for hours at a time, you know? And this is why we, we need one another to do ritual. In mm -hmm. the ritual sacred space of community, uh, we connect in ways we can't even in one-on-one -on -one relationships. Um, mm -hmm. But we have to refuse to go numb and to be small and to behave, you know? There's just a way to engage in our sorrow that is very, very alive. And that... Um, whether that's music you listen to and sob and cry. I love uh, Daniel's Joachim. Mm -hmm. That Sami Swedish song. Yes. Maybe we would put together a playlist for, for people to listen to. And, and um, I was, I wanted to just really quickly, I did a post about, you know, I don't know, I think it was 15 or, yeah, 15 different ways to regulate your nervous system. It's always establishing safety first, yes. you know, establish safety, deep breathing, simple and effective way to activate the parasympathetic, promote relaxation, taking long, deep, slow breaths, and then moderate movement. That's like just getting your feet on the earth, dancing, walking, moderate yes. co-regulation with a loved one in a secure relationship. Yes. yoga tai chi qigong chanting singing walking barefoot on the beach on on the grass in nature massage acupuncture hugs 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 cold shower or even flash space like cold water on your face if that's the only thing you can do because we yeah. know there's people who don't even have access to water um yes. social connection so the social engagement system is activated when we feel safe and connected to others. So cult cultivating social connections promotes healing and reduces stress just naturally. Oh, you know, one-on-one -on -one where you, you do a chant together or you sing a song together rather than mm -hmm. just lament in the, I mean, yes, sometimes the grief's right on top. The tears have to come out. It has to come out in a powerful way, but mm -hmm. Can we pray out loud together? Can we listen to a chant or a song together? Can we sit in silence together? Can we do things that are not normally a part of what we might do when we're with one other person, you know, and take mm. that, deepen that intimacy of that relationship? I see this are, a lot. Yeah. With the, um, sorry, those are, those are some of the things, but I was going to just mention, like, especially the, the singing and the chanting. And what I see with the Burmese refugees over here who have lost their entire country um, 
you know, not just their home or their loved ones, but just like all sense of being of who they are and of to be in a whole new country, a new space. Um, but just gathering them together in circles and having them actually sing together. They do so much regulation in those spaces where they are crying, they are grieving, they are being present, they're feeling their body, they're feeling their emotions, but it's done in this beautiful, graceful way. And I love how you say that it doesn't need to be a big outburst of like a wailing wall, which sometimes we need a wailing wall, Um, but you can do these, these beautiful practices that keep you connected, that keep your nervous system regulated that let you process everything that the body is going through and that's actually like beautiful beautiful ways of being come and birth out of it and it's very sacred you know when people talk about like no mud no lotus you know with Thich Nhat Hanh's quote I mean really the lotus coming out of the mud I mean these are the times that this is where we start birthing those parts of ourselves but we have to recognize it for what it is and yeah. we need each other in order for us to to have these collective healing circles happen. So whether yeah. it's two people, like you said, or it's three people, or it's five or 10 or 20, you know, just really make some connections with some people that you can have sacred space with that understand what you're feeling or what you're going through and can hold your heart in reverence so that you can make this like devotion to yourself that you're going to take this journey because it, it is, like you said, it's, it's a lifelong journey. It is This is where you start to build a relationship with, yes. with your sorrow and with parts of you that are very tender. It's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's challenging. It is. It's and it's what we came here to do. And I know, which is sometimes I'm like, oh, that's what we came here to do. Oh, it's to learn to be human. You know, it's, true it's true and I love to sorry we keep cutting we have so much to say but um last point for me but I love how you also said like this is a vulnerable time like when you go through like all the the shock of initial major loss and and the grief is like just know that you know be mindful have your boundaries of who you're allowing into the space because you are literally like energetically, like almost like ripped open. Yeah. Wide open. Yeah. You're so wide open and um, you know, the earth and death, you know, and I feel like for me doing death work and hospice work, like that veil of watching someone pass and move into the outer realms. I mean, it is this birth and death process is so profound and, people are are blown open they are very vulnerable they're very very raw everything's extremely tender even the touch is tender you know hugs are tender like everything is so tender and so really just be have discernment of what you're listening to why you're listening to it are you are you bypassing the environment is so important like finding to ask someone to say, could you hold space for me right now? I'm in a really big grief wave. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you hold space for a half hour or an hour? I just really need to cry or I just really need to process my grief. Can you just be there for me and accept that limitation? They may say, no, they don't. They don't have time. They can't do it. But find yeah. out then 
who who has time and who can do it so that mm-hmm. you can begin to have these kinds of relationships with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the the poem I was referring to that I wrote earlier about yeah. making friends with sadness. I'd like to read this maybe. As yes, a, please. A close here. Um, sadness. How do I make friends with you? How do I allow grief to assist me so I do not die too? I will grieve and I will go on. I will get better and love will prevail. How do I do this? I do not know. But I trust that love is everywhere. It will seek me out and find me. It loves to love me. I will let it find me and allow my heart to shatter into the millions of pieces, which was once our life, our home, our energy, which now lives in me. Oh, the tears, the sweet tears. Yeah. Thank you for reading that. I used to always remember too, we're both crying now, which is beautiful. Of, um, I used to gauge my grief on my tears. Were they hot tears? Were they gushing yeah. tears? Were they soft tears? Were they gentle tears? Were they easy to let my body release? Was it difficult? Did it come with anger? I had such yeah. a ex- profound experience with the nuance of tears and Um, it's just so wonderful to be able to be in space with you across the world and still feel connected and just through this beautiful poem and that probably leads me into you know what what your a little bit of let's talk a little bit of gratitude before we close because I think we we want to touch upon how gratitude really um, plays a major role in this symbolism of relationship with grief in particular yeah and how we can all use it it's it's when you're stuck if you're stuck and you can't stop grieving then gratitude is your practice it's kind of like if you can't stop crying you gotta get angry (laughs) if you're angry all the time you gotta start crying but i think grief and gratitude are similar in that that if we are so stuck in our grief we've got to start finding where what things are we grateful for that can help shift that out of the stuck place uh, where there's no movement, where it's depression, where we're sinking and uh, we're alone and we're on a little lifeboat floating by ourselves. Yes. And so going to gratitude and waking up and Maybe you wake up feeling depressed. Maybe you're in your grief and you just can't function. You don't want to get out of bed. You can lay there and just go, I'm, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm grateful the sun is out. I'm grateful I'm breathing. I'm grateful for this Mm -hmm. bed. Thank you for this Mm -hmm. pillow. Thank you for my life. Thank you. I'm up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm drinking water. Thank you. You know, we got to keep it really simple. And and again, move. All those things you listed of ways of regulating the nervous system, that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I'd love Mm. to get that list. That was Yes, I did a post on it. And I love that you were talking about gratitude and even the simplistic 
simple gratitude, like even for me, like the serenity prayers is so powerful, but you know, the mindfulness practice of just being present in every moment so that you don't go into the story of the past too. Like, I mean, there's so much, so much power in that. And I do believe that gratitude is a superpower and it is something that we need to cultivate besides compassion. Compassion is a superpower. We need to cultivate compassion. Compassion is not something innately learned or that's innate in us. It's, it's not natural. Like we have to practice that. We have to practice empathy and active listening. And even if you are surrounded by people who are grieving, just sitting there and holding space of living, listening is so powerful. Yes. Um, Allow them to have the space to fill it up. And a lot of us want to go into our patriarchal conditioning of fixing it, giving advice, um, spiritual bypassing, capitalizing on it monetizing on it creating a system like just be mindful of when you're in those spaces that all people really really need is for you to just be there and to just listen and we get really caught up in this in the spiritual community and i want to just say that because i think it's really important especially going through a huge loss right now of what hawaii is going through there's going to be an undercurrent of denial and anger it there just is that's how it works and even for me working with the refugees like I mentioned in my post the other day was meeting someone who's making food out of these beautiful lotus leaves you know and um here she is giving me food making me food and like with this beautiful smile you know and she's two to three years into it of being a refugee trying to rebuild her life here in Chiang Mai and in Thailand and it's just like I had so much reverence for her you know I almost started crying just receiving this beautiful lotus leaf from her of this food because to know the I know the amount of loss that she's gone through but the resilience that she's able to establish within herself to stand back up and be participating in like life again and and starting anew and starting anew and every moment and as my mother says like one day at a time right like we just get through this one thing one moment at a time and that's what it is sometimes sometimes it's one breath at a time one moment at a time one minute at a time one hour at a time it's a complete slowing down so anytime you can a life of reverence that is really about trusting in the mystery and doing Mm -hmm. our best in the moment and really getting those intuition centers lined up, the third eye, the heart, the dantian, and knowing Mm -hmm. that we have an inner navigational system. And sometimes, yeah, we're going to go to our knees. It's just part of it. But we have one another. But um, all these things, so beautiful to talk with you about all this morning. These are such important things to talk about. (laughs) I know, it's so good. It's so good. And thank you to all the listeners out there who are still listening to this beautiful episode and we're going to have a couple more episodes about this just this topic and this subject in particular because it is going to be more and more prevalent as we go through all of the changes that we as a society and as a global humanity are going through Um, and it's imperative at this point it's just one of the skillful means that we all really need to have in our pocket of 
how do we support ourselves and each other in whatever level of grief we're going through. And I know Kaulakea is going to be putting together um, a new offering pretty soon, which is which we're going to talk about in a second. But yeah, the, um, honoring Jake grief. I are also going to put together a grief and gratitude WAP. You can find more information about that in the bio of um, this episode. And but let's talk a little bit about your next offering, which I know you're still curating it and creating it. Um, but maybe you can just introduce it a little bit. Um, thank you. Um, honoring grief, the making of a wise elder. Um, and I, this will be a Zoom offering. And there, there isn't anything yet up on my website, Best of Mystery School, about it. But um, this topic, especially with what's happened in the islands this week, it, it's calling me. And I'm so grateful to be here with you talking about all this because it's, mm -hmm. it's, stirring so deeply inside of me as what I can bring to my community, that I can hold grief rituals, whether they're on Zoom or in person, that I can um, share with others how to create circles of sacred space and community where grief can be held and uh, learning council practice. Um, I'm, I'm very committed to that and um, Vesta Mystery School has been about astrology up until now, but um, this new offering is taking it in another direction. Astrology will always be woven in to mm -hmm. my teachings, uh, but I feel this is what's up and what people really need right now. Mm -hmm. And it will be something that unfolds as there's interest as far as what day and how many sure. sessions i'm not quite yeah. there yet but i i know it's, it's, all right it's time planting for the it. seeds yeah, yeah planting the seeds and you know being in this aquarian age we 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 need to be like a flexible rebel <laughs> it's like what uh, i say you know like yay for that yeah <laughs> yeah it's like finding finding these beautiful modalities and sharing them in ways that really support and help the community and um and it needs to be malleable I mean it needs to be mutable and I think that that's what's going to make it um so accessible to so many people and uh, so please take a look at or follow um Ka'uakea on Instagram if you're not following her already the IG handle is Vesta Mystery School and her website is also VestaMysterySchool.com that's Vesta V-E-S-T-A if you're if you don't know how to spell it, but best in mystery school and just connect with her online. And so you can stay in the loop of what she's doing and what she's offering. And you can also follow me on my private account, Marnie Sue Reynolds. Um, and I will be posting on there when we're going to be having this next beautiful offering of a grief and gratitude workshop and grief circle healing circle, which I feel is a lot of the work I'm doing over here in Thailand with the Burmese refugees. And um, so we'll just all bring it all together and, and we'll hold hands together as we always have and always will. And thank you so much, sister, for being here today. It's always an honor to be in space with you and love you dearly, dearly, dearly. Too. I'm so honored to get to spend time with you and um, thank you everyone for listening and um, be well, grieve well. <laughs>
Yes, there is, there is a light and there is a dark, but there is the middle path and yeah. you will find it. Perfect. All right. Stay tuned for more op- episodes on the Golden Thread Podcast. My name is Marnie and thank you so much for being here today. Blessings to all of you and talk soon.